Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF One That Time When podcast. And today we are discussing. In fact, let's not dive into what we're discussing. We're going to dive into something much more important than that. The names of the two gentlemen opposite me right now. Who are they? Tommy. Dan. You could have given it a bit more enthusiasm. Tommy. Dan. Thank you. Lovely. Today we are discussing that time when nobody wanted to win at a wet Nürburgring. Nobody. Nobody. Not one single no. soul no. wanted to win this race. It just didn't, didn't fancy it. No. I mean, why would you want to win a race? A Formula One race, of course. Exactly. This year's German Grand Prix has gone down as an all-time classic with tricky conditions, plot twists for the leading contenders and an unexpected result. But 20 years ago, Germany played host to a race which was probably even more chaotic. Today, we're going to be talking about that time when nobody wanted to win, the 1999 European GP. Not the German. No. No, there was no. a bit more uh, sort of nitty-gritty details with that one, wasn't there? We won't, we won't, <coughs> won't dive into that. But Hockenheim was, was the German Grand Prix. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, shocking. European. Even though Nürburgring is in Germany. Anyway, it's the 1999 European Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. So... Gentlemen, let's look at 1999. What did F1 look like back then? Yeah, so if anyone's listened to the... Uh, how many have we done from 99? I think we only did the Malaysian Grand Prix where we mentioned about Schumacher with his broken leg. Yep. Uh, so we briefly mentioned that. If you've not... If you didn't listen to that one, go back and listen because yeah. it's wonderful. Come on. Um, but just a brief overview. Yeah, the title fight was between Eddie Irvine and Mika Hakkinen, and that was mainly because Michael Schumacher had broken his leg at Silverstone. Yeah, yeah. Sad uh, times. Yeah, and, you know, I think we discussed it in the Malaysia one that he probably would have wrapped up that title quite easily with the way things turned out. But instead his leg was wrapped hmm. up. And oh, boom. oh, yeah. Boom, that actually one. made me sad that Don't. I made any kind of joke about Schumacher's broken leg because <laughs> yeah. it broke my heart to seven years old me watching that happen. But there were lots of strong young drivers in midfield teams performing well. Lots of unpredictable races meant lots of unexpected results, which is what we dream of as yeah. Formula One fans. Yeah. I seem to remember, was it the French Grand Prix where Barry Keller was on pole in a Stewart and then you had Jean Alessi in a like, Sauber? Like Panis in third and yeah. Prost and stuff like so that. So the equivalent of having you know, top three of like Sport Stroll, Kubica yeah. and wow, Hulkenberg or something. That's, that's yeah. a stretch. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, why was it like that? Why, why was it so crazy? Um, well, I think just you had Schumacher out, you had Irvine and Hackenden going for the title. Irvine, the Ferrari was probably the best car, but Irvine wasn't the best driver to make the most of it, is probably the kindest way to put that. You didn't have that outrageous midfield gap either that no, we do in Formula No, no, no. Now. So... Was it, yeah. Do you reckon there's any reason for the fact that the, the whole grid was closer? Was there any sort of technical regulations back then was it the lack of technical changes I think that it people was, are just starting to get the hang of everything yeah because the year before for 98 the cars got a lot simpler with a lot less aero and a lot less grip and speed of it essentially um and i think that sort of just helped close the pack up a bit because suddenly it was the less less complex so teams with less resources were able to maximize more of what was available of the cars okay all right so jordan was one of those teams that genuinely started to look like a top team yeah, that's the... Well, uh, and this is going to break my heart to say it. Uh, not with Damon Hill, oh, but with no, uh, Heinz Harald no. Frentzen. I think Damon was Hill... Damon Hill an amateur back then. He was. He was uh, retired in his mind up. Yeah, if like anyone's mind, read his book, he it flat out admits that he was already mentally checked out of Formula One and pretty much wanted... I think he wanted to retire at the British Grand Prix that year. Wasn't allowed to for contract reasons and he'd already mentally checked out, hadn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah, but it was this weird sort of period <coughs> between sort of the middle of 98, I suppose, and maybe even the beginning of 2000, where Jordan were kind of in a position to where you would almost say Red Bull were two or three years ago, maybe, where they weren't as good as the top teams, but some races they'd be good enough to pick up the pieces yeah. if the top teams fell apart and they were sort of giving them a bit more hassle than than they might have otherwise expected. Lovely. Well, that's what we dream of, isn't it? Mm. That, that kind of close midfield battle. Maybe 2021 will be giving us those 1999 feels. Give us those Jordan racing back at, back at the front. Who yeah. knows? Front, racing point for the type challenge. Oh, you heard it here first. <laughs> Tommy, are you, you getting emotional? You, yeah. You're coughing a lot. Sorry, you spoke I've about Damon Hill being rubbish in 99. <laughs> <laughs> you no, better stop coughing or I'm going to slap you. Right, okay, I got it out. <laughs> Uh, so let's have a look at the season situation heading into the European Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. So quite late on in the season, old Nürburgring back then. Yeah, mm. End of September. Yeah, end of September. I mean, God, three your, your races to go in it. September. Always. Three mm. races to go in September. Now we're finishing the season in December. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're going to be racing when Santa's going over over in our skies, aren't yeah. we? Soon, he'll be so. the guest driver at the season finale one yeah, day. He'll yeah, he'll probably win. Um, yeah. but yeah probably doesn't fit the, the technical regulations but anyway three races left to go Hackenden and Irvine on 60 points and neither driver had been having brilliant years I guess Hackenden maybe having a bit of an off one Irvine just not having much talent um, <laughs> <laughs> sad but true yeah um, I mean Hackenden yeah Hackenden should have done a lot better that season yeah any reason why you think Hackenden was, was checked out or just not particularly performing? I've, I've always wondered if once Schumacher sort of broke his leg, he lost the motivation to sort of push himself a little bit. He felt bit. like it was wrapped up after that. Yeah, sort I, of think, thing. I think he, he let of, his guard down a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Irvine came snapping away with his very overpowered Ferrari. Well, not very overpowered. A little, little bit. It was good enough. It was good enough, yeah. Okay. Uh, so you had Heinz Howard Frentzen on 50 points, Coulthard on 48. But they were still all in the championship hunt with 10 yeah. points. 10, 10 points for a win. So, yeah, Frentzen was only oh, a, a race win behind with three to go in at Jordan, which shows how impressive of a yeah. season he had. He'd just won the, the Italian Grand Prix the race before, which was where Hakkinen famously spun out while leading and went and had a little cry in the trees. Oh, sad. Bless him. Uh, so Germany, oh, we say Germany, the European Grand Prix was a very important race and could massively swing the title, as you mentioned. You know, Frentzen only one race win behind. Uh, any, all to play for, really. Even David Coulthard was, was very much still in the, the <laughs> even championship Even David hunt. Coulthard. <laughs> championship hunt, even. Uh, so, so let's look at qualifying. So it was a drying session, uh, as you as we've seen it in the Nürburgring quite a few times. It loves to have those uh, changeable conditions. Yep. Uh, and positions changing loads in the closing minutes. And Frentzen takes pole for Jordan. Yeah. Unbelievable scenes. It was one of those classic, like the old 12-lap qualifying system where you basically had 12 laps, which is... Four flying laps, Tell essentially. Tell me if you cough one more time, I'm going to literally... <laughs> Sorry. This podcast. So Drink get, your water. Carry on. Yeah, so you had your 12 laps in an hour, and it got dropped because for the first 40 minutes, nothing would happen. Yeah. But it did have this tendency where it could get really good at the end, where you had every driver just smashing out times. And uh, pole position changed for this race four times in the last two minutes. Wow. So you had... Uh, Ralph Schumacher and the Williams came across the line, took pole, then Hakkinen, then Coulthard beat that, and then Frentzen beat that again. So it was like one of those quality, like just ramping up the drama. Yeah, we do, we do love a changeable condition qualifying session because it mixes up the grid, especially nowadays when we're praying for a mixed up grid. Um, See, so as you say, yeah, Coulthard started second, Hakkinen third, 
and Eddie Irvine all the way down in ninth with teammate Mika Salo only 12th. Ninth. So that's not where you want to be when you're trying to go for a world title, is it? No. When Hakkinen's up in P3, got his teammate just at, just in front of him. Who, mm. you know, would at that point would have Coulthard been been in it for the I think for the it, helping stage? Or? I think it was seen at this race that this was kind of like if Coulthard didn't do well, then it would be Hakkinen. Yeah, but it was still they, McLaren always. I mean, I say always, but they like to give them a fair chance, even though Hakkinen was probably the favoured driver at the time. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Fair shout to give Coulthard at least one more race, and then two two races to go. If he's not ahead of or near Hakkinen, then fair play. You know, put your put your eggs in one basket. So the first start, and that's uh, a key key word in this. Uh, Zanardi and Janay lined up on the grid wrong, uh, and the race start was aborted during the start sequence, and there was loads of confusion because. I think I remember this actually. That there was so much, there were so many people jump starting, and yeah. all the lights came on and then just stayed on. Yeah, because usually when you have someone stall on the grid or something and they abort the start, like the lights like go flash, off and they, the, or, the yellow yeah. lights will flash. But this time, people were out of position on the grid, and the five lights carry, kept on going on, and then they were held. And then instead of, and then when the drivers would be expecting the lights to go off, the yellow lights came on and people reacted to that right. rather than the lights going off. They just um, saw a change and sort of yeah, bolted. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, so you had like the first five drivers and John Lacey down the back of the grid who loves a jump start uh, <laughs> all just sort of shot off and you've got sort of Murray Walker going, Frenton has jumped the start. Hakkinen has jumped the start. <laughs> and uh, and Ralph Schubacher almost went into the back of Coulthard. <laughs> was, uh, so so what, was the, um, what was the conclusion? Uh, it was just, I think it was uh, someone further back. It was, who was it? Janae and Zanardi. Um, one of them had stopped like a position too far behind. So everyone lined up b- wrong behind them. Yeah. And uh, so someone saw that and they obviously aborted the start. And so in terms of the jump starts, there was nothing. There, there was no jump that. start. It looked like a jump start yeah. because on the TV feed at the time, it was the grid and you, the lights were in like a separate cut, cutaway box at the top, right. but it only showed the lights and you couldn't see the yellow lights flashing above it. Gotcha, so gotcha. from like a TV perspective, it oh, literally looked like... Oh, that must so confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a bit the of a commentators. Um, so, so the race finally gets underway after that confusion. Another formation lap to get everybody in place, I imagine. Um, and then Frentzen holds the lead. Hacken and jumps Coulthard, which is obviously big for their for their little inter- inter-team battle. And then a big accident further back. Denis Rollhoop fails. And the safety car comes out. Yeah, that... Um it was a scary crash, but watching it back, I watched the um, the highlights video of this race, and in my head, I already remembered the commentary from Murray Walker, which is so comedy for such a horrific accident. So Deniz uh, gets flipped by Alex Verts, and he goes under, and get, like flips over, and what actually happens is the roll hoop. Um, did it fail? But I but I thought it dug into the ground. I, I think it, it failed wet. when it hit the tarmac. Yeah, it was wet. It, yeah, and then there's like wet, um, wet grass. Wet grass. So it kind of like dug in, and his car was completely flat. But Murray Walker, just you're watching it. You can see it in the background. He's having this absolutely enormous accident. And Murray Walker just goes bang. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it's, it? Yeah, just goes oh bang. <laughs> That's it. Oh Murray. Amazing. I wonder if Murray, if he was commentating today, <clears throat> would he get the same legendary status or, or would, would he, he be go a, down as a Jonathan Ledyard? Yeah, where everyone's like, you're getting it wrong all yeah, the exactly. time. I feel like yeah. maybe that because of whole social media and how easy it is to complain, yeah, would yeah. Murray be seen in a completely different light? What do you reckon, Dan? Yeah, I think he probably would. He was reaching that point at the end of his career anyway and that's why he stopped because it went 
from beyond Almost too far it went yeah, from a, comical to just not getting anything right yeah 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 which is which is fair but he's still yeah. seen as a legend which is which is lovely yeah. uh, so eddie irvine was making progress from uh, ninth on the grid and the front four were very very close uh, and then the rain started to fall on lap 18 but not massively heavy but enough to to make some of the teams yeah. scratch their heads some bits of the track were wet uh, and it wasn't clear whether to go on to the dries or the intermediates. Always the best kind of races where we've, I think we've had this conversation before where wet races, obviously everyone, everyone F1 fans just go, wet races are the best. Yeah. But when it rains all the way through and they're just on wet tires through the whole race, sometimes it can be a bit dull. Yeah. The so best wet races are always the ones changeable. where they don't have a clue what tire to be on. It keeps changing. That's when the chaos happens. Yeah. 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 When, when, you know, you might be 10 seconds a lap quicker yeah. in the first sector but then yeah. 13 seconds a lap slower in the middle and the last. Yeah. So it's... Well, that's basically what, what happened then. Um, so, yeah, like you say, you had the first four were separated by something like 1.3 seconds just wow. going around really close. And then uh, the rain came and Frenson went off at the final chicane and Ron Dennis made the call like, right, this is the time. We need to get someone on wets. So Hackenden was ahead. So they pulled him in for wets. Um, Ferrari did the same for Salo so that they could sort of get an idea for Irvine. And then, so on like the next lap, Irvine came in. But by the time that had happened, it had stopped raining. <laughs> so uh, there's this really funny moment in the pit lane where Irvine's stationary with three wheels on his car <laughs> because the team's made the last second decision to put slicks on instead of wets. But one of the tyres is missing and uh, they're all just running around looking for it. The mechanic finds it gets next to the hub and then starts chatting to like the the other mechanic guy like why aren't you putting it on yeah and then martin brundle has this iconic piece of commentary which is like now they're having a committee meeting about it stick it on and send them out there and, <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember that. and it cost yeah. him like it was in the stationing for 35 seconds because ferrari just couldn't find this tire and then when they did <laughs> didn't put it on straight away for some reason yeah there's loads of ridiculous uh, you know it fuels conspiracy theories even though it's a load of rubbish but uh, we mentioned in the last one about um, when we did Malaysia 99 that Schumacher didn't want Eddie Irvine to win this title and, Schumacher uh, hit the title <clears throat> yeah pe- well no well people <laughs> people were saying oh this just showed that Ferrari didn't give a damn about Irvine and yeah, they, they, they would they would fumble up his whole pit stop yeah they no. would have won the championship no matter who wins exactly it, surely. It's yeah Ferrari. it's Ferrari so yeah um so Ralph Schumacher comes alive for Williams and moves into second and and Hakkinen and Irvine are now down in 12th and 13th uh with Hakkinen going onto the wrong tires uh, as you say, he went onto the wets and then it started to dry out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then Irvine with his 35 second stop. Um, probably could have had a nap in that time, yeah. he really. Mm. Um, and then Murray Walker said about that pit stop, he said a, a pretty good Murrayism, which I thought was quite funny. He said, they've had a major mal-misorganisation problem there. <laughs> mal-misorganisation. <laughs> wow. Mal-mis- oh, Murray. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, you've got the track starting to dry out. Hackland has to pit again. Then Hackland is running in 14th and looks like he's he's given up. Yeah. And then Heitzhoud Frentzen retires. Schumacher then pits first and drops to third. Frentzen narrowly holds on ahead of Coulthard. It's, it looks like there's a lot of stuff going on and very difficult to keep up with everything, especially with it being changeable conditions. Uh, and they both pit on the same lap, Frentzen and Coulthard. Frentzen stays again, but breaks down right after leaving the pits. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, Hakkinen and Irvine are way down, which is actually pretty crazy because obviously when we mentioned the title earlier, that that puts Frentzen right into play that he's leading the race, and Hakkinen and Irvine are out of it. But um, 
when Frenchson comes into the pits, looking like, you know, this is going to be an absolutely banging result for Jordan. They're going to get a race win while their two title rivals are at this. Yeah. I remember watching it thinking, is someone in Jordan going to win the championship? Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, just I, I remember it just cutting to Frenchson and uh, obviously Murray Walker going, oh my God, Frenchson or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, what was it? An electrical failure? Yeah, um, it's it's the same on the first lap when that Deniz crash happened. That happened because Hill's car broke down in the middle of the corner, and Verts took avoiding action and clipped Deniz, yeah. and then Frenson had exactly the same problem at exactly the same part of the track. Oh wow! After pulling away in a stationary car, um, because back then reliability was awful compared to today yeah. and it was quite common that cars would break down after pit stops <coughs> because they oh, were right. so highly strung that yeah, yeah, yeah that stopping and starting again would often cause something to fail and it seemed like that was a bit of a weakness for jordan at that race so heartbreak for frenson breaking down when he was in the lead of the race yeah uh, so that meant that david coulthard then led the race so uh, on lap 36 rain comes down again uh, with david coulthard leading from ralph schumacher and this time it was raining a lot heavier yeah um and coulthard slides off just fancies, nah. Yeah, I don't want this championship this either. Was, this is peak Coulthard. I feel that he has finally got this chance to take it to Hakkinen. He's leading the race. Hakkinen's nowhere. If he if he gets this win, he's now looking good to be a title challenger, and on his own just bins it in the wet. Was he was he quite far ahead at that point? Uh, I think he was a little way ahead. Yeah, because Ralph Schumacher had pitted and was on slicks, and Coulthard I think was was potentially going for a one-stopper okay. so he was trying to stay out on slicks so that if it dried up again he obviously wouldn't have to stop again yeah um, and yeah and he just just slid off just slid off and off he goes uh, and then it became treacherous conditions with drivers spinning and going off uh, and the wets were obviously at this point the, the quicker tires but some still stayed out on slicks notably ralph schumacher and fisichella who were running first and second so yeah. it was getting <laughs> too wet but the slicks back then were Groove tires, grooves, weren't they? So yeah. they had a bit of water, I mean, a, a tiny a, bit of water. Yeah, yeah. Little, I mean, more more grip than you'd have with the Pirellis these days. You know, that would be like driving on ice. Yeah. Anything's more grip than the Pirellis these days. Ouch! Really. Shocking. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Ralph and Fisichella are running first and second. But are, are they going ridiculously slow compared to the rest of them? Yeah, yeah. They they're not putting in great times, but it's that classic thing where they're ahead, so they've got the time to play with, sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas the people who are further back, you know, they're not going to necessarily gain anything They're by staying out when everyone else yeah. is so they gamble for the wets um so yeah but it's i love that era of cars because they didn't have a whole lot of downforce or mechanical grip so they're not necessarily just sliding around it looks like the drivers are actually drifting out of corners and it looked really cool yeah i, I saw watching. a few i saw some in the highlights clip actually and yeah you can see i think fizzy keller coming out the final corner and just completely sideways yeah, yeah. So it's cool it sounds like some nice camera shots yeah. if i'm honest um and Tora Takagi for Arrows tried to stay out on slicks and uh, he had a massive crash coming onto the back straight and his like ripped a wheel off and his car came to rest sort of next to the track and one of his wheels was rolling down the track and they just covered it under yellows. Yeah. Like it Yeah, was... the whole tire was just like complete and just rolling upright, rolling <laughs> down the track. Yeah. On pretty much on the racing line to yeah. get down. Yeah. So. Wow. They're like, now nah, that yellows will do it. Yellows, yellows will, will do it. Do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy that the only safety car was for the Diniz incident. And then you had this crazy race and there were no safety cars for the rest of it. Despite. Wow. I reckon if it was today, 
It would have been, been a like hundred yeah. safety cars and no mm. no actual action. Well, to be fair, they probably wouldn't let them race in those treacherous conditions anyway, would they? <laughs> no, in um, twenty nineteen. But um, so Irvine was continuing to make some progress, was he as well? Yep, he was. Uh, he sort of moved up to. I think he was just outside of the points in seventh now. Um, Hakkinen had by this point seemingly given up. He was lapping in the middle part of the race, two or three seconds slower than the leaders, and it like comparable to back markers, and it just looked like he just completely lost oh, motivation right. just wow. to carry on because he felt there was no uh point but irvine was doing well but then just as the rain starts to stop again ferrari pulled the big brain move of pulling irvine in for wets <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold what happens the track starts to dry again yep uh, so ralph pitts and drops to fourth ferrari as you say do the strategy to bring in irvine but put a wets on yeah. So then he has to come in again for drives. He comes in later again for slicks. Yep. Jesus. Uh, so <laughs> the order now is that Fisichella leads uh, for Benetton. And it looks like it's a battle between him and Ralph Schumacher to take their first ever victory. Neither team had won a race for two years. Yep. So uh, they weren't a strong team, Benetton or Williams. No, uh, no. Era, really. No. So it was a big, big moment for both those teams. And um, I imagine the driver was also rather nervous, especially in those difficult conditions. Yeah. And then Fisichella spins out. Yeah. I yep. mean... He's done all the hard work. He's got through the wettest part on slicks. He survived a couple of Larry moments and offs. And then he, just as the track is getting drier again, um, yeah, he just spins out. And then there's a shot of him leaning against the fence with his head in his hands, just in tears because, you know. There's a was, chance of a Grand Prix victory, not just yeah. an amazing result for a midfield team. Yeah. The chance to win your first race. Yeah. And it's, it's that era as well where, you know, he's spun off and nowadays you'd be able to get back back on the track and no problem. But, yeah. Um I think the the cars stalled quite a lot, didn't they, as well yeah, when yeah. they were when they had an off. So physically it wasn't even that much of a dramatic spin, but he just spun off and stalled the car and that's it. Game over. Game over indeed. Heart wrenching stuff for Fizzy. So then Ralph Schumacher retakes the lead, looks set to win his first ever race. But it only lasts for a lap as he gets a puncture. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Just... So they've had who we had them? Frentzen out, Coulthard leading and out, Fisichella leading and out, now Ralph Schumacher leading and out. Four drivers took the lead and then lost it in the space of 17 laps. It, it reminds me of that Monaco race where everyone just yeah. left, isn't it? It was yeah. one of those crazy ones. Um, so, yeah, and then you've got Irvine and Hacken and still way down the order and out of the points. So, still neither of them looking like they were going to get anywhere near the front no no they were basically just relying on the retirements which were luckily for them coming Spoiler and what was coming was uh was good old johnny herbert and his Stuart. so Stuart had quite a quite a good car uh, and barrichello had poles and a podium with it uh herbert not so great of a of a season for him no no he was it was the second to last year of his career and i think he was not winding down, but finding it harder to maybe get the motivation up. or to to sort out a new car. It was his first year with the team as well, um, so yeah, he hadn't had a good that good a season, but it had a, a decent race. Um, and basically, when the second rain shower came down, he was one of those that was down the order who thought you know he might as well gamble, and he basically pitted at the perfect time for wet, made up an absolute ton of time on everybody, and then when he came in to put the slicks on again, he was good to go to the end of the race. And had a gap over everyone else he was fighting. And once Fisichella and Schumacher had dropped out or dropped back, then he was leading by like 
15 seconds. Jeez. And leading ahead of only a Prost and his teammate in yep. another Stewart. So not exactly... He did, it's not exactly like he got into the lead and then had a McLaren or a Ferrari chasing him down. It, no, was, it was Jano Trulli and a Prost. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then Barrichello running third. So I think Barrichello must have been a little bit gutted about this race because he had been, from from my memory, he'd been pretty unbelievable. He'd had in two or three times that he could have won races. Could have won races like, in a Stewart in dry conditions as well. Yeah, I, I think, seem to remember him Brazil? Aust- and Austria, he was doing all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he had... Uh, Finish in the top five seven times that season so so for a midfield car that wasn't getting many points like you said herbert only scored two points all year before yeah. this race so. and barrack had been doing well in that yeah. race as well in the first rain shower he kept it on on slicks and gone up to like from 15th to like fourth or something so he had driven a great race but just lost out slightly because he was ahead of herbert on the time and they didn't feel like it was maybe worth gambling with his strategy right and herbert got the benefit made the most of it and and then he's leading. He's leading. Uh, some more heartbreak as well for, for Minardi. Both oh, Minardi no. drivers of Marc Genet and Luca Badoa were still going and had benefited. Badoa running fourth and Genet sixth. And Minardi hadn't scored a point in almost four years and had only ever both cars in the points once yeah. in 1989. Imagine, <laughs> imagine Williams this year. Every. every year for years and years, <laughs> yeah. and, years and years and years and years. Yeah. So like how much that meant to get even a point but he was fourth he was yeah, yeah, one like, place away from a podium it's like the equivalent of eighth and tenth now sort of thing but now they're fourth and sixth like that's more points than yeah like almost as many points as Grosjean or <laughs> Haas would have scored this year yeah and exactly like, it's crazy yeah. how good they were doing so Luca Badoa in particular had been in F1 for ages and had never scored a point ever and his gearbox failed with 13 laps to go. In fourth place. Yeah. And he broke down crying at the side of the track. That I is mean, the, one of the saddest things is, you'll ever watch in F1. Horrible. If you find the clip, he is, he's got his visor open and you can see him absolutely bawling his eyes out. And wow. he's just on, the, lent on the side part of his car. And there's like a marshal comes over and consoles him because it's just, it's, it is horrible. Like, yeah, it is one of my... I, like I was a massive Fisichella fan, yeah. So when he crashed out of the race, I was fuming at the time, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I was more upset that Badoa had not scored points. Yeah, that is really sad. Um, so looking towards the final few laps, then, so Herbert had a massive lead with Truly fending off Barrichello, who's trying to make a Stewart one-two, which uh, I can't imagine many people would have put odds on um, nope. going into that race. But unfortunately, he couldn't do it. Villeneuve on course to score BAR's first points, and then he retired with five laps to go. Uh, and then Hacken and Irvine get a whiff of points, having been rubbish all day. Hacken finally wakes up and passes Irvine and Janae to finish fifth. Does that mean Janae finished seventh in the end? No, it doesn't. Oh. Uh, Hacken and was sort of woke up, as you say, and then he was all over the back of Irvine. He tried a couple of moves, uh, didn't quite make it work, and then Irvine eventually made a, a mistake and locked up at the chicane which Martin Brundle called worse than a rookie error at the time. It's like... <laughs> Savage. Um, nice. But yeah, so Hakkinen got through and then he was able to catch Janae. Um, but Irvine, he was quicker than the Minardi, but he didn't have the pace and he ran out of laps to, to get past. So, finished, so Janae finished sixth, didn't he? Janae finished yeah. sixth. So and Minardi Eddie Irvine, the, the world championship contender, could, could get not <laughs> get past Minardi for a point. <laughs> nope. Uh, you can't write this, can you? You really can't. No, but the uh, the best battle was between Trulli and Barrichello for second. It was, yeah, uh, it was. Trulli was 
late he hadn't developed the truly train reputation yet but this was kind of like a precursor to it where he was out of position in a slower car <laughs> and yet was still holding up barrichello who was way quicker yeah and uh he defended really well and it was it was yeah it was a really well deserved sort of result for all three of them i think yeah wow unbelievable podium yeah a stewart a prost and a stewart like god that's the dream isn't it like, Jeez. Like, is that the craziest top three of all time i think it probably you've got to put it as the craziest top three of all time because wh- where were they in the constructors championship ninth and yeah, I think Eighth and ninth Prost has only scored three points all year, <laughs> and then suddenly they've got a car second. Uh, yeah. Herbert had only scored two points, and then he's winning a race. Oh, wow. Um, that is insane. Uh, quite sensational. So as you say, Johnny Herbert won the race, his third career victory, and his first for Stewart in the team's third season. And truly, first podium in second with Rubens third. Slightly unlucky and had come close, as you say, but um, it was great defending from Truly. And uh, a great, a great little battle. And Herbert grabs would be the oh right. So Herbert's win was the only t- one the team ever got. Yeah, yeah. Stuart came in in ninety seven. Yeah. Um, they got a podium in their first year, but then had a little bit of a rebuilding period. And then ninety nine was looking like they were making progress. Um, mm. But the team had been bought out by Jaguar, um, so that this would be their last year as Stuart, and then things didn't go very well as jaguar um they went better as red bull so yeah but uh you have to wonder if if jaguar hadn't bought the team out and basically mismanaged it into the ground yeah um how well they how well managed it as mal managed miss mal managed as mori would say yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah very interesting to think about uh, what that could have led to uh, so let's quickly have a look at the different championship scenarios throughout the race you had French and Coulthard both in prime positions to gain the closest either got to the title potentially yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it's definitely <clears throat> French and I mean Coulthard was Schumacher's main contender in 2001 but it was never really a contest I don't think I hear you've got some stats Dan on the title situations have, during the race uh, go on hit me so with basically it. early in the race when you had French and leading from Hakkinen and Coulthard with Irvine out of the points. Uh, if it had finished like that, Hakkinen would have led on 66, followed by Irvine on 60, Frentzen on 60, and Coulthard on 52. So that was like a big swing for Hakkinen. Yeah. Uh, but then when Hakkinen dropped back with the tyre issues, uh, you would have had a situation where Hakkinen, Irvine and Frentzen would have all been on 60 points with two races to go, and Coulthard behind on 54. Wow. And then when Frentzen retired and Coulthard was leading, it would have been Hakkinen and Irvine on 60, Coulthard on 58 and Frentzen on 50. So basically all of them at some point, except Irvine, had <laughs> were in positions to massively gain. Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, those those two points that Hakkinen got proved to be pretty crucial at the end of the championship. Yeah, which we spoke about in the um, Malaysia one, went on to the final race where you know, Shumi didn't help Eddie win win the title no. but Hakkinen had enough points that he could win the race and yeah, the yeah title. that fifth position was crucial uh, yeah for, for his win yeah. finally he woke up as you say you know he, he finally got those couple of points which may have felt like nothing at the time but yeah it absolutely proved vital didn't it yeah so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to say I feel quite sorry for Ralph Schumacher in that race because he was in the slowest car of the front runners before they all started dropping out but he was driving the best yeah. Uh, when the rain came down for the first time, he instantly attacked Coulthard and then started attacking Hakkinen. Um, he was one of the fastest drivers on track the whole time. Um, 
but got it's, shafted by a puncture. But, and, you know, he's the only one, apart from Frentzen, who lost out, not for anything that's not their fault, really. He was one of, I read this in my notes, that Ralph Schumacher is one of the strangest performance drivers ever, I think, in terms of yeah, yeah. he could just pull something out of nowhere, but also had the rep- like the reputation of being a bit crap. Yeah, I guess a little bit like Grosjean now, like everyone slates him and he is a bit rubbish now. But then, how many times has he bagged like a podium for Lotus and finished fourth when Haas were actually good? And yeah, stuff? yeah, he's and kind he, of similar. on his day can be unbelievable, and then like also absolutely terrible. In some yeah, ways. It's, it's funny after the race, uh, Martin Brundle said, "Oh, it's good to see like the future of Formula One's in safe hands because of Schumacher, Ralph's good performance and Trulli and Barrichello." And then that wasn't really the future yeah. of Formula One because no, Schumacher came the future back was... and denied <laughs> yeah. them all. Yeah, yeah. So having a look at that race then, was it one of the best races ever, do you reckon? I think so. I yeah. put it as my top five. I was just actually looking at, this kind of sums up how crazy it is. If you look at where the drivers started in a dry qualifying race, uh, a qualifying and finished in the race. So the winner, Johnny Herbert, was 14th on the grid. Trilly was second, started 10th. Rubens Barrichello was third, started 15th. Ralph Schumacher, fourth. Hakkinen, third. And Janay with the final point, starting 20th. Yeah, it's crazy when you think that, was it last year when Hamilton won in Germany from 14th? But he did that in a Mercedes. And then that race was so crazy that Johnny Herbert did it in a Stewart. Yeah, and won by 22 seconds Yeah, I, I, in a Stewart. He finished a minute ahead of Hakkinen. My memory of it wow. was that the top three were quite close together. Yeah, but I didn't realise yeah. that Herbert was so far ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely dominated it. Um, so, right, that's it. That's pretty much us done. You know, it was a, a fantastic race to, to kind of relive uh, with, with you both. Um, will new rules like this allow for a ridiculous podium? Will we, will we see stuff like that? I hope so. Hopefully. I mean, we don't want to see that happening every time, but I think this yeah, year sort the of odd, shown the, odd like, occasion. the unexpected podium finisher is... It's good for Formula everyone One. Loves it. Everyone loves it. Yeah, it's really enjoyable. Because that was the beauty of it back then, wasn't it? With with the fact the field spread wasn't as big, it meant that if there was a time where a driver would make a great performance or yeah, whatever, they yeah. would get they would get the rewards of a podium. Whereas you might see a great drive now and Carlos Sainz finishes seventh or something. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah. not the same, is it? Because the top three teams are so far down the yeah. road. Yeah, the midfielder is sitting duck, so they have to do it at the right at the end of the race. They can't put in a really banging performance because they're just going to get you know yeah, yeah wherever even Bottas you know starting last in Abu Dhabi can still get to fourth, fourth very yeah. easily so yeah. fingers crossed 2021 <clears throat> will be uh mm. will be a juicy one yeah yeah hey? right thank so. you both that's uh, our last that time us. when of the year as I well know, the, the yeah. last that time when I do enjoy these I hope everyone listening has enjoyed them as well uh make sure to share your suggestions in the comments for future topics below and uh, also let us know if you enjoyed it with using a five-star rating. Uh, nothing less, especially it's Christmas. If you get yeah, anything less like than five stars, you are the Scrooge. Like you are the Scrooge or the Grinch? It's the Grinch. Both. Scrooge. 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 <laughs> right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas and New Year. Thank you to Tommy and Dan as well. Goodbye. Thank you. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 And wonderful. that's it. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Sweet dreams. Adios. Enjoy Bye. your Christmas bovril. Bofey, bofey, bovril. Bofey, bofey, bovril in my face. Bofey, bofey, bovril. Bye.